Who's there? Who are you? The master of this castle. I've come for my father. Please let him out. Can't you see he's sick? Then he shouldn't have trespassed here. But he could die. Please, I'll do anything. There's nothing you can do. He's my prisoner. Oh, there must be some way I can... Wait, take me instead. You? You would take his place? If I did, would you let him go? Yes, but you must promise to stay here forever. Beauty and the Beast. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots. I'm Lee Hull. And I'm Lee Essence. Today we're taking a slightly different approach to this whole dark psychology. But I wanted to make sure we approached prisons and prisoners. That dynamic can be very fascinating to write about. It's interesting when you take a look at the psychological effects of being imprisoned because people in incarceration have virtually no control over their daily lives. Every single step of their day is forced on them. In essence, you are describing one person who is completely at the mercy of someone else's control. Sometimes it's merited like prison incarceration after doing a crime. And sometimes it's not merited, and that's more down the slavery aspect. But that dynamic between the person exhibiting control and the person being controlled is a fascinating one on both sides of that coin. There's lots and lots and lots of examples of this dynamic in a story, whether that is telling a relationship that grows and develops from the imprisonment, like in Beauty and the Beast, or if it is an escape story like Shawshank Redemption. Some are more overt, like those, or The Count of Monte Cristo, and some are slightly less overt. One of the examples that came to mind was the character of Joanna in Sweeney Todd, where she was technically a ward of the villain, but he wouldn't even let her sit by the window in case some young man might look up and fall in love with her. Another less overt example is in Alcatraz vs. the Evil Librarians. You can kind of look at the whole world as being imprisoned by the librarians because the librarians are controlling what people can and can't do. And continuing our musical exploration of incarcerating people, Les Miserables is a great example of the post and recovering from incarceration journey. Now let's get into the psychological effects of imprisonment. When it comes to the perpetrators, there is usually more than one. Now, of course, there are exceptions when it comes to Beauty and the Beast style stories where you have like one person who's imprisoning one person. But most prisons, if you think of actual prisons, there is a whole crew of them that are working. Having multiples can really help you tell the story better because you get to have that kind of good cop, bad cop relationship there. I also don't want you to discount the possibility of making one of the fellow prisoners into a perpetrator as well. Oddly enough, the first example that popped into my head is when Jafar in Aladdin dresses up like an old dude and convinces Aladdin while he's in prison to go, escape with me. (laughs) And don't forget, especially if you're writing an older story in an older time, 
Imprisonment often comes with torture. I listened to a podcast episode recently about spooky haunted castles, and they talked about a Chillingham castle in England. And oh my goodness, they did some wild things there when it comes to torture. But that's the thing with the torture. For me, it's that psychological look into a mind that is capable of inflicting that on another person. And it's usually because they have some sort of separation, a barrier that sees these other people as not people. They see them as something other. And the things people have come up with to torture other humans is incredibly disturbing. But it is a very, very good resource for writing if you want to write something dark. If you're just getting started in this whole torture world, welcome. There are a couple of things that happen alongside physical torture that can be a good resource to start tormenting your character in some way. One of the first things that will happen is sleep deprivation. Whether that is an intentional thing like they would do to witches, keeping them awake in order to get a confession out of them, or just a natural response to the fear of being tortured. They don't want to sleep because if they fall asleep, there are nightmares or somebody's going to come for them while they're sleeping and they don't want to be unaware. One of the most fascinating ones that I enjoy writing is the dynamic of providing food and water. If your torturers, your captors, want to make sure that your prisoner stays alive, then they're going to have to give them food and water. How they give that to them, if they make them go really hungry first, make them do something before they can earn food, or if they have the good cop, bad cop, the bad cop's just going to be mean. The good cop is going to give them food and resources And how that dynamic plays out is going to be a key part of how you write a character being imprisoned and how you write a character being tortured. Another thing that you're going to see, whether the character is being tortured or not, is the perpetrator convincing or at least attempting to convince the victim that this prison itself is inescapable. You see that in almost every depiction of, well, you can try to escape. We're on an island in the middle of the French Ocean or in holes. Go ahead. There are no fences. You'll die of thirst, but there's no escaping this prison that you're in. Now let's get a little bit into the victims, the actual prisoners. Remember that there are likely other prisoners And there are going to be dynamics within that group of people. So if you take a look at modern prisons, there's a hierarchy in prison systems. And it usually has to do with the kind of crime that you committed. It's a very common knowledge thing that people who victimize children are the very bottom of the hierarchy within a prison system. And most of them don't ever want to admit to having harmed children because they know what's going to happen and it's not pretty. I read through a list of people's stories and experiences and how they looked at the world differently after they got back out. And this next list is an interesting one to keep in mind, especially if it's modern day. The first thing that a lot of people mentioned about themselves or family members who had been incarcerated at one point is they eat very quickly. 
This is often because their food won't last long enough in the cafeteria dynamic with other people. So eat as much as you can as quickly as you can and then move on. They also get used to a very rigid schedule because like we mentioned early in this episode, there is a designated schedule for them. They are told when to wake up, when they go to this place, when they go to this place, when they go back to sleep. So when they get out and suddenly don't have a rigid schedule, it can be very jarring. And along with getting out and suddenly not having this rigid schedule, they suddenly can't make decisions for themselves because previously all of the decisions were made for them. This can present in ways like not knowing what they're going to have for dinner because that hasn't been a choice for years. They ate what was in front of them. This will present in a lot of really small ways that can be very interesting to write. Another thing that you see, especially while the characters are incarcerated, is they lose any sense of justice. If they see a wrong being perpetrated, they're going to just keep their head down and not be involved as much as possible because that's how you survive being in prison. It's also important to remember the long-term psychological effects of imprisonment. And a lot of that can be presented in PTSD, which we are going to get further into in multiple ways in our next episode. But keep that in mind if you're writing somebody being released. Also, if your character is newly imprisoned, then keep in mind the stages of grief. This denial of, I didn't do it, and then the anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. However long your characters and your cast of characters have been imprisoned can be reflective in each of these stages of grief. It's a lot of the same psychological process with loss of freedom as it is with loss of a son or daughter. And one final thing about this, if you're writing some kind of imprisonment, not necessarily based on justice and a crime imprisonment, but unjustified imprisonment, you need to determine what the victim has that the perpetrator wants. What is the reason for holding them? So in Beauty and the Beast, the reason why he held Belle's father, Maurice, was because he trespassed. So there was a crime being committed. And then suddenly when Belle offers to make the swap, he sees something that he can get out of Belle. And that is the potential for his curse to be lifted. In the same way, you as the author should have a purpose for the imprisonment. It might be to show the true character behind this character that you're writing. Because it changes people when they have 100% power either taken away or 100% power over somebody else. So it shows an uglier, deeper side to the person, which can be a blast to write, especially if you're exploring the inside of your character and the inside of yourself. So when you're writing these kinds of stories, write selfishly. If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots at aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing. <laughs>